Pew Bible uh, in your reach, page 1169, you'll find uh, the passage of scripture for us today. concentrate on verse 11 which is the end of this reading. I'm going to read chapter 3, 1 through 11. Uh, hear the word of the living God in your own tongue. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Here is the reading of God's word. Please pray with me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As your people have prayed for and sought and seen over the centuries, your kingdom come, your will be done, your name be hallowed, our Father. Work as you promised through your word, as your son deserves. that you be glorified in us and that we would revere and rejoice in you. Pray with me. Amen. Christians, listen. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. 
from your past, you are on one side or another of various social conflicts. Not here. You're not. From your own conscience, you carry a demand to be good enough, even to be a good enough Christian. Not here. You're not. From the depths of your soul, you have been at odds with God's love to call, God's, God's call to love and truth and fidelity. Not here. You're, you're not. Christian, listen. Christ delivers you from your social antagonisms, your aspiring elitism, and your inherited excuses. Today, the term diversity is used to encompass all the possible parties in the long-term conflicts of our society. These historical antagonisms stretch all the way back to battle. But they do not carry weight here. Christ is coming. Before there were any tribes, there was arrogant elitism. When Cain murdered Abel, he declared a standard of excellence. Who ought God accept in worship? Who should thrive on the earth? That elitism does not apply here. Christ is crucified. Before tribalism and elitism, there were inherited excuses. Our first parents sinned. What do you expect from me? Look, this is just the real me. These excuses stop here. Christ has risen. Christian, listen. Faith in Christ regularly and repeatedly rejects these almost subhuman impulses. Because here, Christ is all and in all. Subhuman is a harsh word. It, it kind of rings of the racism so much on the mind of our context. Do not fear. I'm not excluding. I'm not othering. I am universalizing. I'm speaking of all people and each person. Every person on the planet, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, is sinful. I'm not seeking for tribal, I'm not speaking for tribalism or elitism or for an excuse to take power over others. If human beings were products of evolution, then subhuman would make sense as an insult. In an evolutionary framework, subhuman would mean reverting to a more primitive state, mental capacity, moral ability, would regress. That is exactly the idea of subhuman that has championed tribalism and elitism and been the excuse for exploitation. Some people just aren't as advanced as others, and we need to compel them to catch up with us. Not here. Christ is all in all. No. Your antagonism and your elitism and your excuses are not primitive. I'm not insulting you. They are corruption. And I'm lamenting 
They are not regressions. They are tragedies. And I'm urging you, in Paul's language, to kill them and to put them away. You are sin human. You are fallen. You, you are glory insistent on being petty. How could I expect different from you? Here, Christ is all and in all. Christians, listen. Faith in Christ regularly and repeatedly rejects these sinful human impulses because here, Christ is all and in all. Social antagonism, aspiring elitism, inherited excuses. I'm not speaking ugly just to push you. Paul does not address these things out of a vague sense that sin is a problem and requires attention. Paul responds to a very real religious influence on the believers in Colossae. The conflict between Jew and Gentile, and the conflict between slave and free. Those were the blackface of Roman comedy. They were so fundamental. They were so work through the knowledge of that society that these are where the really strong and funny jokes fall. The Colossians were being pushed towards partisanship in these and other conflicts. A partisanship that comes by aspiring to an elitist Christianity which gave excuses for disdaining others, even other Christians. Not here. Christ is all and in all. This is not Republicans or Democrats or right or left per se. But this is happening today. You are here. You have an ongoing struggle with sin and you live in the screaming, whispering, joking world of Fox and CNN and NPR and of people that you admire. They tell you that you are a good enough person and any good enough person will join up and some ugly things will need to be done. No. You are not good enough. No. You mustn't join up. No. Sins are not necessary. Not for you. Not here. Christ is all and in all. The Colossians neighbors, your neighbors, the Colossian Christians of centuries ago, you Christians now, cannot rise above these things. Jesus has risen above all of it. Risen from the dead and risen to the Father's right hand. This is Paul's remedy to the religion of being a good enough Christian. Here there is not. Christ is all and in all. There is life from the dead because Jesus died and rose. There is a life of faith 
because Jesus has been faithful and will be faithful. Antagonism, elitism, and excuses can only be killed and put away by faith after faith after faith, day after day after day. Christian, listen. Faith in Christ regularly and repeatedly rejects these sinful human impulses because here, Christ is all and in all. So first, social antagonism. You can drop racism in here. It fits the slot. I know that's a vague and contested topic in our place and time, but this is simple. It is evil for you to despise people as individuals. It is evil for you to despise people who are part of a group which competes with you for resources, opportunity, or public esteem. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is evil for you to despise people for being part of a group whom you, rightly or wrongly, blame for your loss or grief or danger. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Your loss, your grief, your danger, they matter immensely to God, but he is withholding his vengeance. He is sincere in kindness and long-suffering goodness now just as he will be sincere and unstinting in vengeance at the last day. You have no business whatsoever in punishing people for their sins. Yes, God established civil government, in Paul's words, to administer his wrath in a limited fashion, to keep the destructive power of sin constrained to civilized limits. Your business is loving your enemies. All I'm summarizing here is teaching you will find in Romans 12 and 13. Christian, listen. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. What does Paul mean? First, he does not mean that these different classes of people do not exist in the world, nor that they disappear in the church of Jesus Christ. At the scene between chapter 3 and 4 of this letter, we will read Paul's commands to slaves and masters who are Christians. And these commands include no hint of slaves being set free. Paul calls both parties, both sides, slaves and free men to keep these commands to honor the Lord Jesus. You might find Paul offensive in this, and those questions are important. But the point is clear. Here there is not, does not eradicate these different groups. It means the end of antagonism between these people, the evaporation of disdain by one Christian for another. We will look more at this next week, Lord willing. Christian love is extraordinary. But how is this possible? What does it mean to say Jesus is all? What reason can actually undo your social antagonism? 
The reason is not that all these people are Jesus in some mystical, magical way. It's not a Hindu Jesus pantheism. Even if this is what liberal Christianity has smuggled into evangelicalism, the motive isn't that you would feel bad if you treated Jesus like that. No, Paul does not say that. Jesus came, died, rose again, and is now seated in heaven. Paul's basic command is, set your minds on things above where Christ is at the right hand of God, seated. Upon whom do you set your minds? Paul says this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, 20. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He is king. He claims everything. He is bringing peace to the whole world, and his church is both the starting point and the cutting edge. He is the Lord. He has overcome our sin and brought peace. We give up our antagonism to have him in having one another. He is so wonderful in his forgiveness, his peace, his kingdom, that we end our antagonism to enjoy him. This is a life of faith. Faith after faith after faith, day after day after day, killing sin, putting sin away. Because here, Christ is all. Nothing else rules you. Most likely less conspicuous to you is Paul's rejection of elitism. Elitism is thinking you're better than other people in a general way. The, the antagonism between Greeks and Jews was in part competing claims to elitism. Only one can be on top. They both thought that they were the best people in the world. Uh, the wisest if you were Greek, the most godly if you were Jewish. At the heart of the destruction, destructive religion creeping in among the Colossians was this Jewish elitism. We aren't sinless, but we do know the truth. And we are doing what God requires, and we take him seriously. Your elders know you. You don't claim to be sinless. You do know the truth. You do do what God requires of you. No, you aren't good enough Christians. That is not how faith in Christ works. It's not like that here. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free. The Christ is all and in all. Paul isn't only listing the social conflicts familiar to the Colossians. He lists a scale of descending social status. The Greeks and Jews quarrel over who is the true elite, but both despise the uncouth barbarians and Scythians. 
The word barbarian does not refer to people who are violent. Vikings, the marauders who overran the Roman Empire some centuries later. Barbarian simply refers to people who did not speak the Greek language. They do not share in the great Greek culture of philosophy and government and the arts. They are ordinary folks ruled by the culture that Rome adopted and made the elite standard throughout the empire. Barbarians have no cultural substance or intellectual depth. They can't possibly appreciate, much less pursue, the higher life of spirituality and the truth. This is similar to looking down on people who don't attend college or are employed in a profession. The Scythians were an infamous tribe, which actually kind of matches our idea of the word barbarian. They were known for their moral degradation. They are similar to the worst stereotype you can summon up for the word hillbilly or redneck. Um, yeah, they look a little inbred, and yeah, there's probably a meth lab and trailer out back. These are people that good folks know just aren't worth anything. That you can expect no goodness to come up out of that. They just couldn't become good Presbyterians like y'all. Paul repudiates this kind of elitism. The church of Jesus Christ is not for people who are good enough. The church isn't for people who can become good enough. Paul preaches Jesus Christ to all men. And he does not dumb it down. He, he puts this forward at the end of chapter 1. He's underlining the contrast between his, his ministry and the wonderful and light and folly being offered. Him we proclaim, warning every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present Every man mature in Christ. A few verses later, he describes this more fully. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You don't need to pass those exams. You don't need to be appropriately educated. You don't need to have been raised right. You don't need to be a person of better character and moral fortitude. You don't have to be good enough. You need only Christ. You need only to trust in the one who came for your responsibilities. Trust in the one who died for your rebellions. Trust on the one who rose for your rescue. All you need to do, no matter who you are or what you are like, all you need to do is to set your mind on things above, where Christ is the right hand of God seated. And this is what Paul means by saying that not only Christ is all, but also Christ is in all. Whoever 
comes to Christ in faith, receives Christ himself. His Spirit enters you and indwells you. He is at work in you and even through you. It doesn't matter if others look down on you. The Lord Jesus does not. It doesn't matter if there is even truth to their negative comparisons. The Lord Jesus is the truth and the way and the life. And he has come to give you life and life abundant. It does not matter what a collection of misfits and maybes we might be. Here, Christ is all and in all. The social antagonisms between us are debunked, undone with love. Any claim to elitism is irrelevant. We are owned by the Savior. Not only are we not good enough Christians, you also are not too lousy, too sinful, too much of a problem, too unmanageable. Your inherited excuses are null and void. Perhaps you carry anger in your heart. An anger that was the pride of your parents. Part of the heritage that nurtured your personality. Perhaps you're Sicilian or Scottish or Tunisian, a famously hot-headed people. Paul says to put it away. Wrath is no longer yours. You may struggle with it. You may find yourself embarrassed by it. You will find yourself forgiven repeatedly of it. You will not find yourself disqualified by it. And you will not find yourself abandoned with it. Perhaps the coveting of your heart is an idolatry, Paul's language above, that produces a sort of uncleanness and lusting that our society would cherish as an orientation. They are wrong. It is fallen. It is sin. You can kill it. You can put it away. No, not because you are strong and moral, not because you got strong and moral. Christ has risen and rules. And Paul says, you have come to faith in Christ. You have put off the old man with its practices and have put on the new man, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. It does not matter what kind of sinful entanglement or disposition or lifelong folly you bring to the Lord Jesus Christ. People might despise you for it. They might be sympathetic and encourage you just to give up and accept it. You yourself might think that you just aren't capable, good enough, Christian enough. But the old excuses are now only deception. Here there is not Greek, Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. 
together and individually. You are called to godliness, and you have godliness in the risen Christ who rules and is at work in you. This is what it means to be here. Social antagonism, fraternity elitism, inheriting excuses. You know these things. They are no longer yours. Faith in Christ regularly and repeatedly rejects these sinful human impulses. Here there is not that Christ is all and in all. So finally, let's ask that question. Where is here? Where is this true? Where do you have it? Where could anyone, anyone, find it? Paul marks the center point easily. Chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 13. He, he praises God and says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul also, as it were, gives us a mark for the perimeter. This is chapter 4. Paul instructs you, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. There really is a new humanity, as Christ is the new man. He has risen. By faith, you, his church, you, you have all, all of his heavenly goodness poured out in common life. Set your mind on things above. Not because you're holding your breath till you can get there. Set your mind on Christ who is risen and rules as king and priest. This is the life of faith, the life of faith that you have together. This is his church, his people. Antagonism, elitism, excuses, Christ is all and in all. Hear how Paul continues from that. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complained against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Peter? Let us not read. The Jews, circumcised and uncircumcised. No. It's not white collar and blue collar. It's not educated, uneducated. There's not slave and free. There's not poor and rich. Christ is all and in all. English-speaking world. That has held and heard your promises and passed on. Enough is known and despised. That there's even a kind of knowing cynicism and unbelief. As if, oh, we won't be but fooled by that again. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us in our hearts by your Spirit, that Christ with us we would together know the richness of your love for us in him. That you would persuade us of the grandeur and the passion, the affection of your salvation for us. That in knowing you, Father, and knowing Jesus Christ, your Son, we would have life and be able to shake off and push away our sinful impulses and that we could offer life to those who have nothing. Glorify your Son, even through us, so most especially. We pray in his name. Amen. Please stand.